Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. This is Richard Gearhart. And Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. At Passage to Profit, we're all about entrepreneurs and new businesses and protecting them with intellectual property. And that's what we do at Gearhart Law. We're a boutique intellectual property firm. We do patents, trademarks, copyrights, and everything else you can think of related to IP. And tonight, we're going to be talking about food particularly food and kids. Oh, so you mean mac and cheese and chicken fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that for adults too? I don't know. But I hope not. I hope we give our kids better stuff than that to eat. Oh yeah, I forgot spaghetti and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, tonight's guest has a solution for a more varied menu. We have Joanna Parker from Yumble Kids with us. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you so much for having me. Just besides having a great business, Joanna also was a finalist on Shark Tank and got a bunch of money, right? So we kind of have the double whammy tonight. We have a great business and also the Shark Tank experience, and I hope you'll be able to talk at least a little bit about that because so many of our listeners want to be on Shark Tank, and we all want to know how you did it. Well, I'm excited to share it. <laughs> okay. Why don't we talk at first about how the idea came to you and how you started your company? Yumble was really born out of my own personal pain point. Um, I have three young children at home. They, at the time, were five, three, and one. And I found it very challenging, frustrating, time-consuming to get healthy meals in front of them every single day. And so I said to my husband, David, uh, who is an entrepreneur, I said, there has got to be a better way. This is maddening, and all of my friends are finding it frustrating. And so I posted anonymously on a Facebook mommy group to see if anybody outside of my circle had this problem and asked if anybody wanted me to cook their children a week's worth of meals. My phone was bombarded. With, oh, free offer like that. Yeah. How could you say no? <laughs> they didn't know who I was or what I was cooking, but they knew that they needed help. And really, since then, it's just been word of mouth. That's great. So tell us about the menu. Our menu is composed of items that I like to say have Yumble DNA. And that's three different things in each of the menu items. One is it's got to be made from ingredients that mom and dad are proud to serve. The second thing is it's got to be food that kids like to eat. So it tastes like a lot of the things you were joking about, but healthier versions. <laughs> and the you mean third, like the healthy mac and cheese. <laughs> exactly. Some hidden veggies. Exactly. And then the third part that's really important to me and I think really sets Yumble apart is that it's got to be fun. We want to make mealtime fun and exciting and get the kids engaged in a healthy way with the food as opposed to a stressful way. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, do you hide vegetables in the food? Some of our menu items have hidden veggies. Oh, wow. That would be great. Yeah, but that's a some good... of our menu items have vegetables for kids to see. I think it's really important for kids to know that they like vegetables. So do these come pre-cooked or do you cook them when you get them? They are 100% fully ready to eat. That's great. So as you were talking, I was just thinking about my experiences eating as a kid, and I was like the pickiest eater in the whole world. So how do you help the picky eaters eat the right thing? And how does your menu encourage that? It's a great question, and I get asked it quite often. And my <laughs> answer is really, we help the parents learn how to feed their children. What I always say is picky eating is another milestone that parents are responsible to help their children work through. No parent gives up on toilet training. No parent gives up on training their children to sleep through the night. Healthy eating habits is another milestone that parents have to work through. So how do you do that, though? Well, we do it through a lot of patience, a lot of strategies. The most common 
age for children to develop picky eating habits is at the age of two. And it's not a coincidence. That's exactly when children are starting to realize that they have a voice, that they can put their foot down on things. And so working through it with parents at that early age is really key. That's great. My mother, I remember growing up, and my mother would always make us eat an apple if we were hungry and didn't know what we wanted, right? Yeah, children have to have enough choice that they feel like they are choosing and making selections for themselves. But mom and dad have to be the ones who present those choices. So is there one like type of picky eater or are there a lot of different reasons for this? It's like on a kid by kid basis? Exactly. Every child is different. Um, Whenever I talk to my customers and I spend a big portion of my day talking with them, I remind them that they know their children best. So all the advice that I'm giving them, they need to kind of personalize in some ways. So they could have a four-year-old and a three-year-old and get two different meals each day for them? Yeah. So our meal plans, you get to fill your box with whichever meals you want. So we offer about 30 items and parents can choose any combination that they want. So shifting from the eating part to the business part, how do you get all these meals delivered? I mean, I think you have a lot of SKUs. If people don't know what SKUs are, that means a lot of individual inventory items. And you've got food that has to be cooked and it has to be maintained and delivered in time so that it's fresh to all of your customers. How do you manage all that? That is probably the biggest change from the way we were originally running the company, which was me in my minivan (laughs) and delivering all the meals. Uh, We now partner with companies like FedEx, and we ship out of a distribution center where one of our team members always making sure that the meals are packed to our spec. They stay cold and refrigerated the entire time in transit, and then plus extra time just in case no one's home to receive the box. But the operational structure of the company is definitely one of our assets that we've been tweaking and honing. So how far do these meals go? Do they go to Alaska? (laughs) We don't hit Alaska yet. Check back in 2020. Um, No, right now we're delivering to the 32 states on the eastern side of the country. That's a lot. That's amazing. That is a lot. And we're hoping to actually launch nationally in the summer. Wow. When did you start this? We officially launched Yumble in June of 2017. Wow. So two years and you're in 32. That's amazing. How did you do that? We started local and then we kept expanding based on both demand and where we could successfully reach through FedEx. You're listening to Passage to Profit, Joanna Parker from Yumble. Stay tuned. We have two fantastic pitches coming up right after our discussion with Joanna. We'll be back right after this break. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. 
Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Joanna Parker from Gumble. Joanna, you were telling us before that you've been on Shark Tank. That is such a dream for so many entrepreneurs. And I can tell you, when I meet with clients, entrepreneurial clients who have consumer products, they always bring up Shark Tank. That is like the holy grail of entrepreneur success. And you made it. How did you get on? And how can other people get on Shark Tank? So we applied. We downloaded <laughs> a very, very long application. Step uh, one, fill out the paperwork. Exactly, exactly. And it's a really long application process. We spent a lot of time, my husband and I, he's my co-founder. We spent a lot of time thinking about why we wanted to apply for the show and what we were hoping to get out of it because it was a long process and time consuming. So what were you hoping to get out of the show other than just the glory of being on Shark Tank? We felt like the viewers of Shark Tank were really our customers. I mean, we watch it all the time. We love it. Uh, a Shark Tank endorsed product goes a long way. So we were excited about that opportunity. We also were really excited about the opportunities that each of the sharks could potentially bring. There was a handful of them that we would have been really excited to partner with, each bringing a different value add. I didn't realize until I looked you up and looked up your Shark Tank episode that your product is on their website. So it's like Shark Tank slash Yumble, right? So if people go look at stuff on Shark Tank, they're going to find you. Yeah, you live on their website, I think, forever. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so how many millions of people see was, that, I right? Yeah, I mean, that would be a reason to do it alone, right? So tell us then what happened after you filled out the application. So then you get assigned producers, and you talk with them, and they help you. And they I really have to say the network was fantastic to work with. I really enjoyed the process. Um, it was worth all of the energy and effort. And then you fly out for your taping. I was very grateful that I did it with my husband, David, because it becomes a little bit of a foggy experience. It's so surreal and you're so rushing on adrenaline. Um, and so afterwards, we kind of looked at each other and we we're like, did we say that? Did we do this? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> um, so it was definitely a whirlwind. But you were competing with other people. I mean, how many other people actually file applications and then end up on the show? Yeah, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure it's about 30,000 applicants. Something in that. For one spot? On for, the show. for one season. For one season. Wow. And I think they choose about, I think, uh, maybe 30 or 40 end up getting aired. That's amazing. Wow. So do you have to be a certain level with your business before they'll let you come on? No. You can really be anywhere. That's what we kind of realized when we would watch the show. They have all businesses ranging from in your garage with very little business plan to companies like ours that had already raised some capital, and we're operating. So what are some of the things that you learned going through the process that you could share with our listeners so if they go through the process, they improve their chances of success? I think you have to really have your goals very clear and crystallized. Um, I think ABC is aware that a lot of people just want the publicity, so they really want to see that you're genuine about making a deal with the sharks. So I would advise that needs to really be there because they can sniff it out of you if, if it's not. Obviously, they want people who want to do deals with the sharks. Otherwise, the program kind of doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So did you give up part of your company? I haven't seen that episode. We did make a deal. We made a deal with Bethany Frankel on the show. And what was really exciting was they don't know anything about you before you walk out into the tank. They see your display and then you walk out and you could see that she really understood the pain point and the problem we were solving right away. She's a busy mom 
and we were pleased that the product was so well received right away. So is she helping you now? She has been helpful. Oh, that's great. So when were you on Shark Tank? We aired December 9th, 2018. Did you see a bump in sales after that? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then they actually re-aired our episode. But the night that it aired was probably, no offense to my children and my husband, the most exciting night of my life. Watching the way they edited and finally seeing it, you know, you don't know how it's going to get cut and how they're going to portray you. You know the ending, but you don't know anything beyond that. Um, And we invited our family and our team, and we all watched it on a a big screen, and it was very exciting. So what are your plans now for the future? My short-term goals are to have Yumble reach its way all across America. I am excited to be helping more and more parents, uh, expanding the product line, making healthy food available to more children, working our way into the schools and helping to solve that issue down the road. I think once we have established a brand of food that parents are proud of and kids love, the options are endless. How did you come up with the word yumble for your company? It had a different name originally. It was called Panda Plates. That was what I kind of came up with one night when I couldn't sleep. Then we decided we didn't like that name. And so my husband, who's very creative, started sifting through all kinds of words and sounds that he thought might be good. And when he said the word yumble, I loved it immediately. I loved that it didn't mean anything. I loved that it had the word yum in it, so it still connoted something about food, even if sort of subconsciously. And I really loved that it was playful in that it rhymes with words like stumble, tumble, crumble, mumble, bumble. I felt like it gave us a lot of playing field for potentially doing a story around characters or something like that. So I have to ask this. Are your kids taste testers? Oh, yeah. (laughs) What if they say, this is horrible? Do you? Then I ask them why, and I prod them, and they're always like, I just, I don't know, it is. (laughs) So it really does appeal to kids. You've got a great captured audience there to test on. I do. They're different ages, different genders, different eating styles. So you're going to go into the schools. Would you be the lunch service for the schools if you could do that? We have a bunch of different ideas on how to kind of tackle school lunches. Ideally, we would be a service that a school would either offer to their parents and we would ship it directly to the school. There are a couple of other ideas also. That would be awesome, actually, because I know for a fact that our son, now he was a little older at this point, did not always spend his lunch money on food. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, So we had a question from one of our pitchers, Michael Wong, who's coming up later. And he wanted to know, Joanna, if you could go back and redo the Shark Tank episode, is there anything you'd change? So I've given this some thought. And I don't think, like I said earlier, it's very foggy in my memory. Um, So there's not much that I would change about the way we taped. But I do really wish that they had shown more of the story of me and my husband and how we all got started. uh, Because they really focused so much on our numbers and the business that uh, there wasn't an opportunity for the audience to then see how much Lori kind of connected with us and other aspects of the show. So I wish that there was memories of that more. So what story is it with you and your husband? Is there more than what we said here already? Well, we went to high school and college together. We didn't date in either. Started dating afterwards. So we've known each other for over 20 years. I was a stay-at-home mom. He was a filmmaker. And he was just always encouraging me to find a pain point and go after it and solve it. And I really, I know for sure that I would not be here today if it weren't for him. So he's really the uh, 
a pusher. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. In 20 years, you're not very old. So what you <laughs> met when you were six. <laughs> so I, have, I wish. <laughs> I have kind of a weird question for you. So when you go on Shark Tank, do they make you do hair and makeup? Like, do they dress you and do all that stuff? Yeah. They encourage you to come mostly ready, but then they have people on set to help touch you up and get you camera ready. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> we don't do that here on radio. <laughs> it's not necessary. So really, if we sum it up, find a pain point, do your research, get your plans ready, lay out for the sharks everything that you can do to make them a lot of money, and that's your best chance. Yep. That was okay. extremely well said. <laughs> Thank you. You make it sound very easy. <laughs> no, I, I know it's not easy. So, Joanna, where can we find you? You can find us at yumblekids.com. That's Y-U-M, as in Mary, B-L-E, kids.com. And you can also find us on social media. Our handles are... Kids. You are listening to Passage to Profit on WR710 with Regent Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Joanna Parker. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearhart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gearhart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands. You using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We're very pleased to have an executive spotlight tonight. The CEO and president of the New Jersey Tech Council and also one of our sponsors, James Baruch. Great to be here. Tell us a little bit about the New Jersey Technical Council. The Tech Council is a trade association that really helps the ecosystem thrive, right? So we have a thousand member companies. We uh, do a hundred events a year throughout the region, and our role is to help everyone from entrepreneurs with crazy ideas all the way to multinationals who are scared of being disrupted grow their organizations. So it's an important job these days because we're competing on the global stage with other ecosystems which are surging, and that's why it's important for us to lead this community and help it collaborate more effectively and grow together. I know that New Jersey Technical Council was of enormous help when we started Gearheart Law, I had come from a corporate environment and I didn't really know anything about entrepreneurism. And it's through NJTC that I really got an education and how the entrepreneurial world worked. So it was a great place to start. And I think it's a great place for people who are thinking about starting businesses too and who want to learn a little bit more about the entrepreneurial community, how things work, and it's a great place to meet some really fantastic people. Yeah, we didn't know how much we didn't know until <laughs> <laughs> we got there, right? <laughs> and it's still a great place to go, right? So oh, they, yeah. I mean, they have so many fantastic events. Tell us a little bit about 
some of the events that the council sponsors? Well, we do our annual venture conference, which you folks participated in, in, in interviewing uh, someone from FanDuel, which is amazing. And that was a total blast. I think I had the best time of my life there, <laughs> up there on stage, talking with the uh, senior vice president of FanDuel. It was a fantastic experience. And so we also had about 50 startups pitching, right? right. So helping them get uh, you know, in front of investors. We, by the way, are a very special trade association because we are one of the only ones in the country that has not only uh, an angel network, but also a venture fund and now our second venture fund. So we help this market sort of uh, get funding. So that's really special. And anything we can do to help entrepreneurs is really important. We met an investor from Philadelphia who has his own fund down there, and he's actually going to be on the show next week. It's a wealth of contacts and information. Well, and I want to point out, too, he's coming from Philadelphia. So even though it's New Jersey Technical Council, it's really the tri-state or maybe even Connecticut, too, area. So it's really expanded out. And it's very interesting because the investment people in New York are different than the ones in New Jersey. So if you've been doing everything in New York, you should come to the NJTC events and meet a whole different group of people. That's right. This community, this tech hub, which ranges from Philly to New York City, really, is the second largest in the country. And it's surging right now with all new venture capital and a lot of companies coming and growing here. And so uh, it's really a great time to, to grow your business and to be connected. Right. And most of the programs at NJTC, when they first started, were networking programs. You do have some online programs now from time to time, which is another great way to connect people. But I think the strength of the organization is the relationships that the members build between themselves. And I was just kind of curious when I think about NJTC and I think about that in social media. And now today, everybody kind of seems to stay at home, right? I mean, because people feel like you can get everything that you can get online that you used to have to go to a conference to get. So how does NJTC address that? And what is sort of the missing special sauce that people are missing by not attending these kinds of events? That's a really important question and a challenge, right? Because these days, everyone, everything's just a swipe away, right? Especially young people, they think they can do everything on their phones. And in reality, building relationships, especially to fund your company and find talent, it's important to be in real life to meet people and engage people. You can't do everything on your phone. And so what we're seeing, we're obviously doing a lot on social media and digitally, but we're seeing sort of the pendulum starting to shift back, actually. People are starting to realize that they just can't look at a screen all day. They need to be able to interact. Well, I remember when it was 2013, I think, when the patent rules changed, and Richard had met you, and you guys kind of became friends, and he sent you this email saying, hey, the patent rules are changing Seriously, if you want to get a patent under the old rules, do it now. And you emailed it out to thousands of people for us. <laughs> that was awesome. Just because of this relationship, right? Yeah. There are so many things that you get out of a relationship. You're looking at the person and you can ask questions and the conversation follows in a way that just doesn't follow online. And for us as a law firm, we like to make referrals. We like to help our clients move their businesses forward. And sometimes that means putting them in touch with people who aren't legal professionals, but maybe a marketing professional or a business plan professional or finance professional. And going to events like the NJTC events are places where we meet these people 
who can then ultimately help our clients. So it's just not what do we find from it. It's about building our network and using that to help our clients. Yeah, and, and you guys are great stakeholders uh, in the community and, 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 and good people too. And I think that's important, right? We meet so many people that are in and out and gone tomorrow, but you guys are really, uh, really engaged and, and try to be as helpful as possible, even if there isn't business in it. You just have to enjoy the business of being an entrepreneur and being in the community and seeing other people's businesses grow. Well, what I love the most is seeing all the new stuff coming down the pike. What is your biggest success story? Have you had somebody invest in a company that really took off? We've had several, through the venture fund, several companies that have hit it big, including Achieve uh, 3000, which uh, sold for hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, and a few others. They've made 33 investments, so there's several of them. They might not be household names, but they have been very successful. Clearly, one of the biggest ones in New Jersey is uh, diapers.com, right? Right. And now jet.com, right? Those have been started by uh, Mark Laurie in addition to a couple other folks, and those have taken off and ultimately got bought. So those are really good, well-known brand names, and hopefully we'll have many more of those uh, down the road. Tell us a little bit about the entrepreneurial landscape in New Jersey. What are some of the high points and what are some of the challenges? New Jersey has some of the best talent on the planet, and people need to realize that. And we're also situated between New York and Philly, so sometimes we get lost in the shadows. But uh, this talent pool supplies the whole region. So not just New Jersey, but New York and Philly. So that's really important to know. As far as entrepreneurship, there's entrepreneurs all over. There's great places and hubs throughout the state. So there's not one big city. That's the challenge. On the other hand, you could be at the beach and have a very successful startup. And we're seeing hubs sprout not only at the beach, but at Princeton and Hoboken and Jersey City and Morristown and Red Bank and and throughout the state. So that's the beauty of the state, but it's also the challenge. It's not one place where you can get to very easily because we have something called traffic in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) The parkway really is parkway. There's two two seasons in New Jersey, right? There's winter and construction, right? (laughs) So tell us uh, about some of the upcoming events that the council is sponsoring. So we just had a big future forum last week, which focused on AI, which is amazing. And the next big event, well, we have a lot of smaller events I won't go into, but our next big honoring event is CFO plus Investor Awards, June 7th in Princeton. Need event, invite you all to come. And that's where we honor some of the best people that make these things possible, make companies grow. Whether they're a small company or a large company, you need financial people to get the money and spend it properly. That's important. And then we have a leadership summit uh, at the end of June with the uh, former CEO of Cognizant, one of the biggest uh, companies uh, dealing with IT and development and staffing. And that's going to be a great event as well. So those are just two big ones. There's a lot of smaller ones. We'll put you on our email list if you send us an email or just go to our website. And listen to Passage to Profit, too, because we do try to keep our listeners advised of all of the events that are coming up through the New Jersey Technical Council. And I really recommend that you go to their website. And what is the website again? It's njtc.org. Very complicated and difficult to remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's njtc.org. And you can find out a lot about the organization. You can find out about Jim and find out about the entrepreneurism in New Jersey. I would say the future is bright, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're very excited about the future. Thank you very much for joining us on Passage to Profit, Jim. It was wonderful seeing you and thank you for making the time to be here. We appreciate your sponsorship and we look forward to many great things from the council in the future. Thank you. You're listening to Passage to Profit. Stay tuned. We have two fantastic pitches coming up. We'll be back right after this break. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years. 
hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now it's time for the pitch part of our show. But before we start, some vital info. Listeners, when you're listening to the pitches, please think about which one you like best and go to the Passage to Profit page on the Gearhart Law website. And you need to scroll down to find the poll to vote. But also, if you're just tuning in, listeners, you really need to listen to the podcast when it comes out because Joanna Parker from Yumbo was amazing. She absolutely was. And she's been talking about her Shark Tank experience and her fantastic business. You really need to take a listen to the show. And the website is Gearheart Law. G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W. Everybody gets one vote and the voting is open for one week. Don't forget to like us, too, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And get your friends to vote. And you can remember the name of the show by imagining you're walking down a passage with a huge pot of gold at the end. Passage to profit. And may your passage be short and your profit be huge. Each contestant now gets two minutes to pitch, followed by a discussion with our guests. The overall best vote getter gets a professionally produced video for their pitch, a $500 value. And the winning pitch goes on to our YouTube channel. So let's get started. Our first pitch is by Ash Asmi of Datumtron, all the way from New York City into Tribeca. <laughs> Welcome, Ash. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Datumtron is an artificial intelligence company. We have discovered a new way to represent knowledge that is more fundamental than any other knowledge representation scheme in the academia or the industry. Datum is the singular for data, and tron is a suffix like electron, neutron, proton, so datumtron means the fundamental element of knowledge. With this discovery, we have been working more than three years on building the Omega AGI, Artificial General Intelligence, which learns by reading documents, Omega answers questions, extracts knowledge, and solves problems based on what it learns from these documents. We raised funds from two angel investors, and we started talking to groups in Wall Street. So we are building three proof-of-concept projects for one of the major banks in Wall Street. We are a team of 11 people, eight AI engineers, and three business development experts. But we need to expand. So... We invite you to take part in building the first human caliber AI and empower the world to solve currently impenetrable problems. And you're a client of one of our attorneys at Gearheart Law, David Postalski. So you started this a couple of years ago and you are patent pending, right? Yes. Your technology is an artificial intelligence that can take written information and somehow understand the information at a higher level so that it can answer questions that users might pose. So how do you do that? Text written in English or any other language goes through a language parser, which identifies where is the verb and where is the subject and so forth. 
And then this is called the parse output. It goes into a, another system that takes that and converts it into our own graph representation. So it represents each point, each concept as a point in the graph. And a graph is not a visual thing. It's a, an abstract data structure. When you ask a question, it will take that question, also parse it, and also convert it into a graph, and then use that to answer the question. That sounds very difficult to do. How do you, you create a software that does that? By uh, hard work. <laughs> yeah, hours and hours of programming, right? Yeah. And having a great team also of engineers. You had mentioned that you're doing several proof-of-concept projects with major banks. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. One of the banks has this problem where they have to know, it's called KYC, know your customer. So they need to know enough information about each customer so that they can meet the regulations. They, they are compliant with the regulation. So what we did is we took the customer record, we gave it to Omega, our AI, and asked Omega four questions that they have. Who is the benefactor? Who gave the money? And what's the relationship between the benefactor and the client? And what is the source of wealth of the benefactor? How did he make his wealth? And then how much was it? And if we can, if Omega can answer all four questions, then we say, okay, this record, we have enough information about client and we're compliant. So we flag it in a certain way. So and in the past, the bank would call the client or ask them to fill out a form to answer these questions. Actually, that's not what happened. What happened is you call the bank and a financial advisor will take your call and will write down on the computer what he's talking with you about. I see. So that's an interview process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they have millions of customers already. And with all these records and the only way to be compliant, because com this compliance rule is, is a new one. So to be compliant with that, they have basically to hire an army of people to go through all these millions of records and figure out if they have enough information. Wow, what a time saver. So if I say I'm an all cash business and I grow a certain hallucinogenic kind of crop <laughs> down in South America. Is that going to pass? Is it going to flag that? If they don't say it, it will pass, but if they mention it, probably not. <laughs> so it would flag that. So why Wall Street? Aren't there applications in other industries? Oh, yeah, but yeah. We, we have connections in Wall Street. We are in New York City, so it's easier for us. And of course, you know, Wall Street has a lot of money, so it's easier for us. It's a very natural place to go. Exactly. Exactly. So it's easier for us to start with Wall Street, but once we have more resources, we'll branch out and work with other industries. Which other markets do you think will be really valuable for, for you? If you take the law firm, which has lots of contracts, lots of documents to read, and then someone has to answer a specific question, you don't really need to read the entire document, but you want to find out a specific fact. So Omega can do that. I had one more question for you. You mm. mentioned that you can ask Omega questions mm. and it'll give you the answer. Mm. I'm of the generation where I ask Google anything I want to yes. know. So yes. why would I choose to ask Omega and not ask Google? Okay. Google is a search engine. So you, you put a phrase or you put a question and it uses that phrase to get you documents that has this phrase. And the genius of Google is that it will find the best documents that has this phrase or has these keywords. But Omega actually reads your question and understand it and then match it with either your documents or the knowledge it has already and then comes back with a specific answer. 
where Google comes back with a list of pages to read. As a matter of fact, in the future, we're planning to have, if you ask Omega a question that doesn't know, she will Google it, read the document, and then answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So how far does the AI go? I mean, how well do you think your software will be able to answer these questions in the future? I think it will be just like the computer when it calculates faster. Omega will be able to read and answer your questions faster. Maybe it will be able to relate more facts than what you can relate right now. It will be able to read more documents than one individual can read right now. The future for this is unlimited. And how do you feel about that, though? I mean, isn't this sort of like AI taking over and you have these search engines that know everything about us and now even are answering questions for us? Doesn't that represent some sort of threat? The way I look at it is I want Omega to help us find cure for cancer. I want Omega to help us design better energy using equipments. I want Omega to help us with all the impossible problems right now that is facing us. I don't think that it will take over because it doesn't have a goal. If we give it a goal or if it needs to eat, if it needs to reproduce, then we are in trouble. But that's not gonna, we're not gonna put that in. Are there other competitors in the space or have, you know, I would imagine this is possibly something that a larger technology company might be able to execute quickly? They, they, there are a, a number of competitors, for example, Siri, Alexa, all these will try to understand what you're uh, asking. And, 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 but basically, they are assistants. You ask them to play music, and they know how to play music. You ask them uh, about a piece of information, and they will eventually tell you, okay, here is what I found on the web. They don't really understand your question they don't really understand the documents. They are there to help you get a piece of information, but they don't really understand either the question or, or the knowledge. This is truly futuristic and fascinating. Mm-hmm. Ash Asmi of Datumtron. If you are interested in the ideas we presented, I would love to connect with you and talk to you. www.datumtron.com And my email is ash at datumtron.com. Thanks. You are listening to Passage to Profit on WR710 with Roger Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Joanna Parker. We'll be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearhart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright right protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest this evening, Joanna Parker from YumbleKids.com. Our second pitch will be with Michael Wong of Instahub. Michael, where are you from? I'm originally from Oakland, California. I attend the uh, school at um, University of Pennsylvania in the Wharton School. 
Um, and this is my senior year. I'll be graduating in a few days. Awesome. Well, congratulations, congratulations on that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So let's hear your pitch. You have two minutes. Go. So it all started when I was walking back at 4 a.m. in the morning and realized how many lights were left on unused and figured that this was a $30 billion annual waste within the U.S. when we forget to turn off the lights. I asked facility managers, why don't we add more motion sensors? They said it's very challenging to rewire motion sensors. And then I asked, why don't we just snap on tech onto light switches? I mean, your light switch can last for a lifetime. All you have to do is just flip the switch. And with all the robotics out there everywhere in the world, why can't we just have a simple solution that can help you save energy, save money? And imagine for public schools, when you save more money on the operational sides, you can spend more on books. For nonprofits, you can spend more directly to stakeholders. Our mission is truly at its core to actually develop snap-on automation solutions where you do not have to replace existing building infrastructures, rather just enhance it. Just so I get a mental picture of this, it's a piece of plastic or a device that goes over a current light switch, right? Exactly. And then it's, it's activated by a cell phone or some other electronic device. So we actually use a custom radar sensor to be able to accurately detect fine movements. And the secret sauce is actually our proprietary algorithm that will understand the features, whether someone actually walked by the door and sit down. And we can kind of predict whether you're walking or doing low movement types of activities. So it, it senses in the room. And then if you're there, it keeps the light on. And if you leave, then it physically flips the switch. Exactly. And so you don't need to replace the whole unit. You just put it right on top of your light switch. Exactly. That's awesome. So how were you inspired to come up with this approach? Growing up in Oakland, uh, I learned a lot about technology at a young age, uh, entrepreneurship, and more importantly, my high school, which, fun fact, Tom Hanks went to back then, taught me- So do you know Tom, by the way? I do not know. No, I w- not. You know, In the future, ideally, <laughs> we can meet. <laughs> Tom, be... if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I was part of the Energy Green Academy and learned a lot about energy waste, environmental sustainability. Uh, we literally counted number of bulbs, figure out whether it's LED, fluorescent bulbs, and estimated energy waste. I got fascinated and more conscious about this type of waste. And like I said, 4 a.m. in the morning, learned about the challenges. The idea really stemmed from my learning. What stage is your business at right now? I mean, are you still in prototype or where are you? Yeah, we're still um, at prototype private beta tests with organizations who actually need to save a lot. We found room savings to be $300, $70, $100, but those who need it most where they didn't care too much about the aesthetics at first, um, who were willing to give us a lot of feedback uh, initially and um, also sign contract orders and letter of intent. Uh, We recently won the President's Innovation Prize at Penn, which gives us a grant of $100,000 to be able to move the uh, business forward. And uh, we filed the non-provisional patent recently with some uh, legal help and really grateful for all the stakeholders who've been involved with our journey so far. So who is your target? Are you looking for big companies? Right now, the target entry will be Class B commercial buildings and facilities directors, managers are typically the decision makers. And we were able to attend the International Facility Management Association trade show in Charlotte last October, where we already have a pipeline of customers saying, I'm ready to buy one to 40 units. And if it works out well, I'll buy 5,000. The challenge for us is actually building the product to its final stages, where it's ready to deliver and with the supply chain in place. With hardware product, you have electronics components, you have mechanical components, and also the software side of it. And maintaining all that is challenging. 
So, Michael, do you have any sense of the amount of energy that is wasted from lights that are on that don't need to be on and how much of an improvement your product could make? Absolutely. So in the U.S., $30 billion of electricity is wasted. Is that just from lights or is that from all? Wow. If we're talking about energy waste in total, that would be more than $100 billion every single year. And this is something that we always forget about. And it's so simple. We were taught at a young age, our parents would generally sometimes scold at us, turn off the lights because we're paying for the bills. Now you're going into schools, office spaces, um, and you do not have to pay for the bill as much, or you don't see the variable costs changing every time you leave the lights on. So we just want to tackle that human error aspect and more importantly, leverage accessible automation solutions to be able to help tackle such an important issue. Does your device work with any light switch? Is it like universally accepted? In the U.S., we have toggle switches and rocker switches. They account for 90% of switches in the U.S. Uh, We've designed something that will work for both universally. Now, there are double gang, triple gang switches. There are dimmer switches and all that. We yet do not have a model for that, but we are working on that. What colors are going to be available? Uh, Right now, matching the wall (laughs) as much as possible. Um, So white, ivory, uh, almond. uh, And so far, some people are asking us, can we make it look like a nest on your light switch, possibly with that stainless steel finish and all these different types of aesthetics. Yeah, you need to go full designer on this, I'm telling you. <laughs> but we do have to keep in mind of the cost aspect and reliability. Obviously. But think of all the money they're going to be saving on electricity, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what is your price point? Right now, um, people are well accepted at $50, and we've learned that through the value-add approach um, and also the cost-based approach from what I've learned at pricing strategy courses. It taught me to really think about learning about the demand side of what are people willing to pay and how big is their budget. Also, how fast can they even buy it if they're at a lower budget? Might we be able to consider a different business model? And something really cool that we're learning about is that there's energy saving performance contracts, which is generally used with energy service companies where you would finance retrofits of all the different equipments to help a building to save energy in exchange for a fee for that finance and also percentage to be able to help them have a win-win scenario. I'm curious to hear how you manage being a full-time student and an entrepreneur. Absolutely. It's challenging, uh, super, super challenging, and I'm grateful to be full-time post-grad. At first, it was really just a lot of research, and then it got really interesting enough where I started to do more of the research and calling people, emailing people, just learning as a student. So with that student card, it helped me a lot. Are you a part of any incubator system there? Or? Yeah, we've gone through uh, multiple accelerators, including uh, Wharton's VIPX uh, Accelerator, um, NextFab Hardware Accelerator, uh, the Hull Prize um, Social Impact uh, Entrepreneurship, also the PCI at Penn's um, Accelerator. And what is your biggest challenge? Biggest challenge is learning a little bit more about the supply chain, um, delivering 25,000 units to a million units. Scaling is challenging, and I think there's a lot of process involved in this. And as a business student, I need to understand all aspects as much as possible to be able to deliver the right resources to my team. Is your plan to go into manufacturing these? Right now, we're uh, manufacturing a few hundred ourselves, which best informs our design. Then work with contract manufacturers who are willing to build a long-term relationship with us to be able to build the thousands to 5,000 units. And then eventually raise additional capital to be able to scale manufacturing to deliver to the uh, rest of the customers. So now you're graduating. Are you going to stay at Wharton and do your work there? 
Yes, um, there's the Penovation Center, which is really near Penn's campus. We have free shuttle, and the office is amazing. We are literally moving in today. My team has been moving stuff in. We just got uh, 3D printers, uh, a whole bunch of electronics uh, lab equipment. So I welcome anyone who's nearby to reach out to me and stop take a in tour. and say hello. Yeah, and this will actually expand our capacity. Before we just had a locker of equipments and a shared co-working space. Now we have our own office with additional office spaces available to be able to help scale the team. So how do people find you? Right now, you could go to getinstahub.com or email me at michael at getinstahub.com. That's G-E-T-I-N-S-T-A-H-U-B. Yes. Right? Okay. And for our social media handles, it would be at getinstahub. So, Michael, what are you going to do with the $100,000 you won? Awesome are, are you guys question. having a big party? Yeah. No, we're not going to spend it all there. I think there's a lot on development and then production um, and a few uh, items for market validation for the different product lines um, we're preparing to launch. Data is actually pretty huge because we can actually capture sensor data on presence. That can go beyond just helping you save more energy for heating, ventilation, air conditioning. But we can tell you whether someone's in the room and whether they should be in the room at 3 a.m. in the morning in the president's office, for example. Mm. Or is someone even moving in that (laughs) manufacturing facility when they cannot have cameras or infrared sensors? So we believe Help we can- Help me, my own house is spying on me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the key thing is it's whatever we can make an impact. For example, the city of Philadelphia, we're working on a potential project on the energy saving side and spatialization. It's huge for real estate, understanding whether a space is underutilized. That type of data you do not really get. And right now you can Google this, occupancy and light loggers. Can you find anything less than $205 that cannot even connect to the cloud? And what we're basically doing is building a simple data logger you can plug in to really track that data for a small subscription fee. And that data will be so empowering, we can build on additional algorithms to be able to help provide more value to the customers. Well, thanks a lot, Michael. We're coming to the end of our segment, unfortunately, but a fascinating project, well needed and also very environmentally friendly and necessary. So when I hear those cost savings in terms of lost energy costs, I just get so excited for you. And we certainly wish you the best of luck. And can I just say, it drives me nuts when people leave the lights on. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Thank you for having me here today. Absolutely. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. We'll be right back after this message. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gerhardt Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At GearHeart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at GearHeart Law. www.GearHeartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified 
qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. This was truly futuristic. Absolutely. It's always so exciting to be with our guests who are making it in the entrepreneurial space. It really is. And I have to say, I love everything, but I really love the kid meal delivery stuff, right? You know, I gained a lot of weight by eating leftover kid food at McDonald's. (laughs) Grabbing those French fries, you know, there's that. (laughs) I know. I haven't lost it yet, have I? Well, remember, everyone, go to the Passage to Profit page at GearheartLaw.com. That's spelled G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W. And you should look around. You can see a picture of my beautiful and brilliant bride, Elizabeth Gearhart. She's there. You can learn more about her. I'm there, too, and the whole Gearhart Law team. And also lots of good information about patents, trademarks, and copyrights, too. So it should be your resource for intellectual property, and that's Gearhart Law, spelled G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. And if you have a question about intellectual property, just give us a call. Our number is 908-273-0700. So now go to GearheartLaw.com, go to the Passage Profit page, and vote for your favorite project. So to summarize the projects, we had Ash Asmi of Datumtron, D-A-T-U-M-T-R-O-N, and Michael Wong of Instahub, and his website is GetInstahub, G-E-T-I-N-S-T-A-H-U-B. And our guest was Joanna Parker of Yumble Kids. Now Google Passage to Profit and make your choice. Remember, you can only vote once and you have until next Sunday at 8 p.m. to vote. This evening's pitch contestants will receive a Passage to Profit t-shirt and the best overall vote getter for the show will receive a professionally produced video of their pitch, a $500 value. Yeah, and these videos, we have a guy who's really good at these and we'll put them on our YouTube channel. But before we sign off, we really want to thank everyone who came into the studio and participated today. You know, this is just amazing for us because we get to hear all this new stuff every week and we do feel like we're looking at the future. And I want to say thanks again to our guest, Joanna Parker, who took us over the top in so many ways. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Well, I'd love to just thank you both for having me. And I always like to close with sort of as much as Yumble is an incredible business opportunity, at its heart, it is a mission-driven company. And I am excited and eager to get those two missions to reality. It is helping make parents' lives easier and helping make healthy food accessible to more children all across the country. So thank you for listening to me and uh, order my product. If I had little kids, I definitely would. They I would might pick order out- some anyway. It looks really good if you <laughs> well, go to our website. And, and you get crayons too, right? <laughs> you get a lot of fun collectibles. Yes, we didn't get into that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's www.yumblekids.com. And we would also like to thank our executive who did the executive spotlight today, James Barot from NJTC.org. And we'd like to thank our media maven, Kenya Gibson, our producer, Noah Fleischman. And our sound engineer, Rob Barretts, who really makes this sound good on the radio and the whole iHeart team. And don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitches. And listeners, really, you can start thinking about what your pitch will be. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on iHeart Radio with Passage to Profit, WOR 710, the voice of New York. Mm-hmm.